We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 1st, 2018. And today's going to be a two-part study. Um, first part, kind of a Bible study. And then the second part is the um, this growing crisis, the white genocide that's going on in South Africa. And we're going to be going to that in detail. Um, so that's going to be comprised the bulk of the study. So just getting in then to the uh, Bible verses here. And these are, these are just Bible verses regarding overcoming and being a Christian. It's just some verses that relate to that topic. Uh, James 4.4 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, uh, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Wherefore, there, whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So the, these verses are very hard, especially in today's day and age, because um, there's so much world, worldliness that is out there that permeates society, that permeates every aspect of it, that um, it's very, very hard to, um, and nowadays, I, I'm comparing this to probably like if you went back to the 1800s or the 1700s or the... I just think back then it would have been more, you would have had to have went out and sought the world. Whereas now, it's just everywhere in your face bombardment. You can't even get away from it. It's just everywhere, especially in, in some place like America. Now, maybe in some other countries, uh, it's not as much. Uh, maybe if you live out in the country. But you can bring it into your house, though, so easily as well. You know, and... Um, it's just, these are just some kind of like verses that are very important for us to look at as Christians. Revelation 18, 4 and 5 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. And I really believe this is somebody that's in the world system. He's talking to his people. So in other words, his people were in the world system. If they weren't, or at least a certain sect of his people were in the world system. It doesn't say they weren't saved, okay? But it says that they were in the world system, and he's asking, he's pleading them, God is essentially pleading for them to come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. Because if you stay in the world... If, if you participate in that system, if you embrace that system, if that system is just part of your, your life, and then you're going to be partakers of, of that, of reaping what you sow, of, of the sins of that system. And that's not going to be good. Uh, that you receive not of her plagues. He doesn't want us to be partakers of her sins. He doesn't want us to receive her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Now, obviously, this is way into the tribulation. But obviously, there's still a certain sect of Christians that are, are in the world system. And I know the Bible says to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's the hardest thing to do. I, I think it's harder than any other time that the world has ever known, by far, no doubt. Because, I mean, even Noah's day. I mean, I, they didn't have, like, all the... I'm sure they didn't have all, like, the worldly... Um, things that were going on there i think it was more just a brutal like you know a, a brutal thing that you were dealing with there in noah's day um revelation 321 says to him that overcometh will i grant to sit with me in my throne even as i also overcame i am set down 
with my father in his throne. Now, this is these are the um, this is talking about to the churches, okay? Um, in uh, Revelation like two and three, and then we have Revelation uh, three five. Well, actually, Revelation twelve eleven, which says, "And they overcame him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb." Satan in his system, uh, really in his world system. If you think about it, his demons, his devils, his evil entities, his minions. The Christians overcame that him, Satan, in everything that he embodies and represents by the blood of the Lamb by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. And obviously the, the Bible talks about a lot in Revelation that, you know, the people that took the mark of the beast, they're condemned to the lake of fire, essentially the hell and the lake of fire forever. Um, but those Christians that resist the mark of the beast, and I don't think they're, they're all going to be, um, there's, there's always a remnant that's preserved. Always a remnant that's preserved. It's, it's scriptural. A scriptural principle. Um, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be Christians on this planet. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like every Christian was wiped out and beheaded, and then Jesus comes back. There's no Bible for that. Okay, so they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So a lot of people, whether they were beheaded or whether they not, they still love their lives. They love not their lives unto the death, meaning they were willing to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, it, it, it's not in and of yourself, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be such a brave warrior for Christ and all this. You, if the Holy Spirit's not living inside you, you cannot do that. There is no way you will, I mean, you could say all in the world, but if you're not saved, the people that are not saved are not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to love their lives not unto the death. They are, they are going to probably do whatever it takes to save their skin if the Holy Spirit's not living inside them. That's my opinion. I, I think there's, you know, a lot of Bible for that as well. Because you got to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh, and this is, again, speaking to the churches, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. The white raiment, the Bible says, is the righteousness of the saints. Um, which would signify like a white like a righteous life that a that a christian would should be living in other words you, you're not living like the devil and expecting white raiment because the white raiment is the righteousness of the saints if you're not living a white a, a righteous life then how do you have white raiment you understand now again this the thing is about this whole subject is you could say okay well this is works-based salvation no it's not it, these bible verses are there they have to be reconciled with the rest of the bible it's got to be done so then there's lordship salvation and there's there's easy believism, okay? How do we reconcile all those verses? That's kind of a, in part what I'm attempting to do today, but my whole study on this, on salvation, is like a five-part thing where I go through all of this. It's, you can't just reconcile it, all these Bible verses, in like a short period of time. There's too many. That's why I have the, the um, if you're not saved especially, Go to, um, or if you're unsure about salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the True Salvation tab, and I take you through the whole thing there. Salvation, and then like the stuff that comes after salvation. Because it's a progression. 
and these verses need to be reconciled and this is how cults get started is they pin all their belief system on like verses that justify their but then they ignore these other verses and they don't look at them so i'm always trying to have biblical balance with what we're looking at but the bible says here revelation 3 5 and this is to the churches he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment um and we overcome through the lord jesus christ we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well and i have a whole teaching on overcoming if you click on the true salvation tab there's a whole teaching just on that subject uh, and again, I'm not saying all this stuff to act like I'm Mr. Perfect and I and I don't sin and I have attained. And I'm, please, if anybody deserves death and hell, I do. Okay? So let me just make that abundantly clear. I'm speaking these verses as much to myself as I would anyone else. I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. Sanctimonious and all this other stuff. But these verses are in the Bible. Okay? So there are things that we should be looking at. Um, the Bible talks about the Bereans you know they they sought those things out in the word of god essentially to see if they were so they were they were study studiers of scripture and they were commended for that um he that overcome he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and i will not blot out his name out of the book of life so those that overcome their names will not be blotted out but that actually what's the inverse of that well what if you don't overcome and your name is blotted out of the book. So that's that's not something I really want to mess around with. I don't know, but I mean, are you going to build a dogma out of this? No, but this doesn't sound like something I want to really mess around with. I think we could all agree on that. Do you want your name blotted out of the book of life? No, I don't. But it acts like, you know, this is an option here. It says, I will not blot out of his name. Okay, what's the inverse of that? You will. So in other words, you need to overcome and be clothed in white raiment to not have your book, your name blotted out of the book of life. That's what it reads to me. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Um, now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation one minute and gaining it back the next. I'm not talking about that either. And again, I get into these verses a lot more in depth in the overcoming teaching I did, the true salvation. I'm just hitting on some of these verses now because they kind of relate to what we're talking about. Okay, so um, in other words, you cannot expect to live like the devil and abandon God and turn your back on him because you said some salvation prayer back when you were 10 or 20 or whatever and expect to be granted entrance into heaven because that's what's taught in a lot of the churches now. Oh, it's you, you say this little prayer and, 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 and go your way. You're eternally secure forever. You go and then they go live like the devil. They don't serve God. They, 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 their conscience is seared with a hot iron. They're totally in the world and they think that, you know, but they're good with God, though. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, okay? It doesn't say that. Um, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it says work out your own salvation. That, I, don't, I don't mean to imply that this is works-based. Works will follow. Faith. Faith is what grants us entrance. It's, it's, it's the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are saved by faith through grace and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I want to make that abundantly clear as well. See what I mean? There's all these verses that have to be reconciled. This is not. This is kind of a complex subject that we're dealing with here. Um, but it does say to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like, like 
you know, it's a process, in other words. And the fear of God, who are you, who are you afraid of? You're, you're afraid of the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So there's a lot of blessings connected with the fear of God. Um, and Jesus talked about, you know, fear not him that, that, you know, can kill the body, but fear him that can cast both body and soul into hell. Jesus was talking about himself when he said that. So a lot of times all you'll ever hear are the flowery verses from Jesus. If you go to your standard, probably 501c3 church, but he said a lot of very stern things as well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, he preached on hell more than he did heaven, way more on hell than he did heaven, Jesus did. A, a lot of the parables and all of those things, how it relates to hell. And we're not even really going to be getting in, into that today, but um, there's a lot there. Um, so work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Okay, so um, then 1 Timothy 6, 19 says, Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So again, it's it's more like a, it's not that you're earning it, but it's more like a process. Salvation is a process. And, you know, he that overcometh, the same will be clothed in white raiment. Okay, so it's overcoming um they that endureth to the end the same shall be saved the bible says that as well they that endureth to the so enduring to the end is is you know always a prerequisite for salvation. It, it's it's not so much the enduring that saves you um because that would be it's the lord jesus christ through his blood his death burial and resurrection his finished work on the cross that is what saved you but the enduring is evidence that you were saved the overcoming is evidence that you were saved all along. That's the thing. It's just going to be a byproduct of salvation, of the Holy Spirit living inside you. Okay? So there's, that's the, I, I think, trying to reconcile verses. That's that's an example of that. Um, 1 Timothy 6.19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. First uh, Timothy six nine six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, who hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Okay, so there's another one. Um, then we have First John five one through nine, which says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him, that Loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him, meaning you love the other brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Um, Jesus Christ said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But you'll hear like every secular person that is as godless as you could even believe, say, you should know the truth and the truth should make you free. But they don't quote the verse before that. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, then are you my disciples indeed, and you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But the world loves to quote that, just the back end of the verse, to, to the exclusion of the first part, which is what it's dependent upon, is the first part of the verse. Um, okay, so by this we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So this is talking about overcoming again, whatsoever is born of God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So see, I'm trying to commingle some positive verses in here too. I'm not just, I don't want to just like slam you with, with these verses and, 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 you know. So these are some more positive verses relating to what we're talking about. He, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the only way you're going to overcome the world. It's the only way. <laughs> you're not going to do it any other way. 1 John 3, 23 through 24 and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of uh, Son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. The Holy Spirit that lives inside a born-again believer. Okay. Uh, I, I just really feel like that what we're going to be, what the body of Christ is going to be facing what would already facing but what they're going to be facing increasingly um with just this evil encroaching around us we just want to be as good with god as right with god as we can be because if we're not when all that darkness comes in it's it would be very easy for a person to fall away in that regard if you're not grounded and rooted in christ and and you're just looking at the situation and you're not fixed on jesus it would be very easy to fall you know, away or, or become backslidden in that type of scenario. Um, so let's go further here. Um, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit, capital S, which he hath given us, meaning the Holy Spirit lives inside us. Uh, Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, and this is like the, the whole gospel's distilled down, basically, because it says this in multiple places. Uh, what, are, what are these commandments of God? Okay, Now, I understand there's a lot of commandments that you can look at that Jesus gave in in the in the uh, gospels but the bible says that um he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law okay and if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying so it's like encompassed in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law so you look at then the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. Okay, all these other things. That's that's evidence of salvation. That that are things that um the Bible talks about the charity covereth a multitude of sins. Charity, if you look that up, it's not what you think of it as today. Um, like, you know, you take some clothes to a charity, you know, you're donating stuff. It's not that. It's if you look it up in like the um the Noah Webster eighteen twenty eight dictionary which more closely defines the words in the King James Bible. And you, and you look up like the Greek derivation of it in the New Testament. It's the full 
like it's the fullest embodiment of love it's like all aspects of love wrapped into one package which is what charity kind of is and i'm kind of simplifying that but that's basically what it means um so then you have matthew 7 12 which is basically the golden rule therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you do ye even so to them um for this is the law and the prophets i remember i was working for um that uh, guy that i worked for back in um florida and um good old ass gary <laughs> he's in all kind of hot water now um very very greedy dude and um lives in a 7.25 million dollar mansion and he would come to me to get adjusted i was one of his doctors and that was the last official uh, job that i had back in florida it was the most miserable job i ever had in my life by far it's horrible they were so greed driven and i was just pushing back against it constantly and his right hand man I forget his name, but he came up to me one time and he thought he was going to, he thought he was going to, um, I think I'd written them a letter. It was one of the many things I wrote them on how these are things we're, that we're doing as practice and business that we should not really be doing because we're going to get in hot water if we do this. And some of it was that they wanted me to adjust everybody manually, like on the first visit. And I'm like, I'm not doing that to a car accident victim. What if they've got a ruptured disc in their neck? And you want me to crank on their neck first visit and you want me to lose the patient because I hurt them because they couldn't handle that adjustment at that point? No, you, I do like an activator adjustment on them. Like, like get them into the point where, you know, they can handle a manual adjustment. Maybe a week, two, three down the road. You're not going to lose the patient that way. You're still going to be realigning them. But they wanted me to adjust everybody manually right off the bat. And I, I just... I wrote them, I'm like, do you guys want to get sued? Do you want to lose patients? And eventually, they ended up just letting me go, because Florida's a right-to-work state, and they came in there, and they, they fired me, essentially, is what it was, but they never gave me a reason, because it's a right-to-work state, so they don't have to give me... It was the best thing that ever happened. It's, it's literally what launched this ministry, you know? And God made me so incredibly miserable there. It was like the biggest relief ever when I finally left. And a lot of times if you're in a job and you're beyond miserable and you're hating life, and a lot of times because God doesn't want you there. And he's making it, he's letting it become so miserable for you that you're not going to have a choice but to want to go. And when you do finally go, you think, and you're thinking, you're looking at, you're not looking at Jesus. You're looking at, how am I going to make a living? I didn't have another job right then. I had so messed my life up on so many different levels from the poor choices that i had made that i didn't have a lot of options but you know what god provided a way and he started providing it almost immediately essentially for me where i was just basically doing my own thing so he came up to me this guy gary's right hand man because i wrote him this letter and i think i'd put in there about something like do unto others as you would have done and he says he says, yeah, he says, uh, where, uh, where is that in the Bible? Where does it say that? Because evidently he thought there was a rumor that that wasn't actually ever in the Bible anywhere. And I was like, oh, oh, it's, it's right here. It's Matthew 7, 12. It's the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So, 
that's all it was. And, and um, he, that shut him up real quick. <laughs> real quick. Um, and, boy, they were greedy. Oh, man, that was a horrible, horrible year of my life. Galatians 2.21 um, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And the people that are in the Hebrew Roots movement, you know, I don't know how you read the book of Galatians. You have to, I mean, there's so many verses in like Romans and Galatians, and I, there's so many verses in the Bible. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So... How do you justify saying you've got to keep the Sabbath? You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do all these things or and earn your way to heaven because this truly is salvation by works or you're going to go to hell. The Bible says, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And that is just one of the many verses that say that. So again, I'm not saying that righteousness or salvation comes by works. It's reconciling all of this. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play this, this video here. It's, it's called Five Ways to Know You're Worldly. Now, you may not agree with everything this lady says. Um, she is a, um, uh, she's not calling herself a preacher. She's not calling herself a pastor or anything like that. I think she brought up some very good points here um, regarding this. Now, take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not saying that that, you know, we're trying to establish some type of big dogma here, but shes I think she brings up some good points about what she's talking about. Things that are very easy to take for granted as a Christian in today's day and age because it's so ingrained into everything. I want to give you five things to take a look at in your life to examine if you are a worldly believer in Jesus. And what it means to be worldly, it means that you continue to meditate upon and fulfill the lust of your flesh with pleasure, treasure, and my friends, at the end of the day, you are craving recognition of men. It's called the pride of life. And if these three things that we find the uh, writer, John, in 1 John chapter 2, he told us, he said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of your life. So these are five areas to take a look at, my friend, because that is what it means to be a friend of the world, to be a lover of the world. And I want to give you the, what does it look like? Your heart does become dark. When you begin to, to bask in this present world, the heart becomes dark. You're no longer in a posture to stay in the straight and narrow path. And for many, they have never entered the straight and the narrow path that Jesus said, few shall find it, my friend. So here is your five things. Number See, one, that's the thing. He did say that. He said straight. That word actually means hard. Not meaning that salvation is hard, but it's it's it is a narrow path. It's it's he did say that, and and a lot of times I just think it's really easy to for, to lose sight of that in today's present world. There's so many distractions and things going around. I mean, you know, just look at all the stuff I cover. One is sports, friends. If you are a sports fanatic, you and many do not realize that playing 
professional competitive sports is sin. Oh, yes, it is. It is rooted in the sin called emulation, which is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Many pastors do not... Okay, let's... I, I, what I did is let's go ahead and look at this word right now. I never really looked at this word like I should have. And, um, we're going to actually be looking at all the, the, this Galatians verses, but what does emulation mean? Uh, emulation is the act of attempting to equal or excel in qualities or actions, rivalry, desirous of superiority, attending with effort to attain to um, generally in a good sense. Now, it can, be, it can be a good thing, in other words, okay? We're not talking about the good emulation. Um, uh, that, that basically, um, in a good way, it would be like, I want to, like, if you see somebody like Jesus, for example, you want to emulate him. There's nothing wrong with that. You have a godly parent or a godly dad or godly mom or, or okay, and you, you're trying to emulate that and granted you don't want to set your eyes on a person either but you want to emulate their godly qualities you want to emulate some really good quality that they possess that god's given that type of thing that is a good way of of emulating somebody um then it says or an attempt to equal or excel others in that which is praiseworthy without the desire of um d depressing others meaning um if you're trying to equal somebody that's doing something good, let's say, in their life, something good for God or whatever, um, without the desire to depress others, meaning you're not putting, you're, you're not trying to emulate them because you want to make other people feel smaller than you, okay? That's the bad kind of emulation where you're actually, and it says in a bad sense, a striving to equal or do more than others to obtain carnal favors or honors, so that's in the bad sense, striving equal or do more than others in order to make, in order to get, have praise heaped on you, honors, and to make other people feel bad. Okay. Um, then there's verse, there, there's kind of examples and an ardor kindled by praiseworthy examples of others, inciting to imitate them or equal or excel them. Um, so that's another, you're, you're, you're trying to beat them, you're trying to best them, you're trying to show them that they're not as good as you. Okay, this is, this is the kind of emulation you don't want to, to participate in. Um, another one, uh, contest, contention, strife, competition, rivalry accompanied with a desire of depressing another. Well, I mean, think about it. When you're out there, yeah. With sports, that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Does does the team that lost feel great? Now, granted, I understand that you could say, yeah, but sports teaches you a lot of stuff. It teaches you to accept. I get it. I understand that. So it's kind of like a balance that we're talking about here. Yeah, Taylor just brought up a ton of good points. Um, she reminded me that the Greeks were the ones that started sports, essentially. Well, you, you, you hear about the, the whole Olympics and the whole, you know, striving for you know, to beat the other people and, and only one is the winner. And, and, and it, that's where, and they were as heathen and evil as you could get, okay? And and how, um, uh, you know, like I've had in her Christian schools and stuff, I've she's done some of the sports and stuff over time and that she never felt that great 
with God when she was, you know, in a lot of these things with that, that competition mindset. It's just, it doesn't bring you, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's something that can really, um, I really believe form a, uh, a barrier between you and the Lord. You know, um, it's something that can, that can come between you and God essentially, because especially somebody that's really into it, um, it can become an idol. I mean, for, for millions, no, I would dare say billions of people worldwide. Sports is an absolute total idol. I mean, you look at, I mean, just not in America, but other countries like Brazil and that. And how, I mean, they literally just live for, like, soccer and stuff like that. And, and how, I mean, it's just their lives are absolutely fixed and keyed in on this. How does somebody really get saved if that is the main focus of their life? There's no way God could not be on the mega back burner in that regard. You got these sports fanatics that, are, I mean, they're just literally... And then I've read accounts of, like... Um, Especially, and I don't know how much this is done in America. It probably is all the time, and I just don't know about it. But a lot of these people in these other countries, um, I watched a whole documentary on, on these African um, wrestler dude guys. It was in this one country. They do this real weird form of like, I don't even know what it is. It's kind of like a combination between wrestling and fighting. And it's really weird. And they, 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 but for weeks before matches they will do every witchcraft thing you can possibly imagine in the world to get like favor so that they can win that match that is standard practice man standard practice there's this one guy i think his name was called the bombardier big black guy in i don't know what country it is and he was very, very successful. I mean, the guy was a physical specimen, but all of them go through extensive witchcraft. I mean, they put all these oils and stuff on their body. They do all these witchcraft ceremonies. They pay the witch doctors all this money. They do all this stuff so that they will have favor in winning the match. They don't even trust in their own physical attributes whatsoever. Um... The God-given is what I mean. They don't trust in that. They actually do, and I've heard that that's very, very prevalent in a lot of, in soccer, it's incredibly prevalent. A lot of these guys that have these unbelievable um, skills in, like, soccer, a lot of that's witchcraft. A lot of it is actual, now, I'm not saying they don't have talent. I'm not saying, but they're taking, you're taking somebody who is going to be a elite-level player and making them super elite in the witchcraft as well. And who knows how much of this actually really goes on. I mean, is the whole sports system of God or is it of, or is it of Satan? Or is it, or, you know... And now, again, you go and, and, and you're, you're hitting the tennis ball around, you're throwing the football, you play catch or whatever, you play frisbee. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, when somebody is just keyed in locked in on it on a particular given sport and that becomes their main emphasis and focus um anything that comes before god can obviously is an idol okay and this is where we're, we're going into the realm of idolatry what is idolatry okay and again we go back to galatians 5 20 um the worship of idols images or anything made by hands or which is not god idolatry is two kinds the worship of images statues pictures 
made by hands and the worship of heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, or demons, angels, men, and animals. Well, how many, what's American Idol? Oh, the Hollywood person is my idol. Oh, he's my idol in sports. He's, okay. And you might not even, even if you don't say that, if you're fixated and keyed in on a man, I don't see any Bible for that. I don't see any Bible for, for, for elevating some man like the, or, or even woman like they can't do whatever. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's shaky territory, you know. I wouldn't mess with it. Excessive attachment or veneration for anything. Now, remember, this is, this is the Noah Webster 1828. This more defines the words in the King James Bible more closer in the time period they were written. So this is a more accurate way. So excessive, excessive attachment or veneration for anything. Or that which borders on adoration. So just things to keep in mind about this. Okay, so here's another thing. When and I've I brought this up a ton of different times. Um, when there's things like this in our lives, okay, and I, I'm, I'm not saying it like okay, now you're not saved or what. I'm not saying that. The Bible says, "Of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth." And if he be without chastisement, then you're bastards. So if you've got a lot of this kind of stuff going on in your life and you have no conscience about it and there's no chastening of God on your life, you're not, you're not really convicted by God. You're not, he can make you miserable. He can make you convicted. There's, there's different levels. There's, there's one preacher I, I had before he said, God will start you out with fine grit sandpaper. And if you don't get the message, he'll finally move you up to double lot grit. If you, if you, if you resist long enough, meaning he's not going to just typically start out by just smashing you, you know, with a hammer, he's going to start out lightly, and then if you don't get the memo from God, then he's going to move you, and, and you'll, the chastisement will become more severe. That's actually a sign that you are saved, you know? Um, I mean, your, your conscience shouldn't be seared with a hot iron, because that's that's a sign you're not saved, obviously. I mean, because the, how, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, how can you, like, go around and do things that are, that are um, bad, you know, and have no conscience about it at all. That's a sign that you were never saved to begin with. So in that case, you would need to get saved first. So that, that's something else to, to consider when we're talking about this whole subject here. So let's go back to this, this video. I teach their uh, uh, church uh, group and congregations that emulation is sin. Emulation is when you competitively, enviously try to outdo or equal another person's accomplishments. It becomes like an envious rivalry. My friend, it is sin. There is nothing wrong with, with tossing around a basketball or a football with your friends and family. Nothing wrong with that. The problem comes in when you become thirsty and hungry and you begin to, uh, you live for this. This is all you think about is competing to become the best in sport. Friend, you are sinning against God and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not. So this serves as a warning to all of the parents. So why does she say that? Why does she say that you will not? Because that's, that's a whole other issue there. Well, because Galatians 5, 17 through 21 says um and i'm going to go into this um galatians 5 19 and i really should wait till i get to this but it it mentions emulations it mentions witchcraft hatred variance idolatry and then a lot of other things and it says of which i tell you before as i've also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god 
Now, does that mean we, we walk around in sinless perfection and we never we never mess up and we never... No, it, it's not saying that. It's talking about habitual, staying in this, having no conviction about it, not making any ever, attempt to ever break free type of thing through the Lord. And the thing is, is God's going to chasten, chasten you if you're doing any of these things anyway, so he, you should be getting the memo <laughs> regarding these things or get the memo at some point particularly salvation like talking about working it out with fear and trembling you know it's everybody's on different levels it's it's not like everybody's at the same level with god everybody's and i also really firmly believe god doesn't deal the same way with every person like he does one he doesn't like deal with this person exactly the same way he deals with this person because he knows that person he made them therefore he has a um he knows how to deal with that person better than anybody in the universe so this isn't like cookie cutter on how God always deals with people. ...who are pushing your children to become perfected in their physical prowess in sports. It doesn't matter if it's tennis, basketball, rugby, soccer. It doesn't matter. Once you move towards attempting to get paid to do sports, you are deceived. And I realize, my friend, there are many people who claim that they're Christians in these professional sports. They are deceived. Their pastors are deceived. No one's calling them out and putting them to the side and say, this is sin. This is emulation. You are getting paid to enviously rival against other men and women to not only get paid but it's it also moves you towards self-worship and selfish ambition not to mention i remember not long ago my oldest yeah taylor just brought up another really good point about this and basically the verses that i covered about where uh and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the son of jesus christ and love one another okay um Oh no, oh no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth hath fulfilled the law and the bible talks about that and if there's any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in the same namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law so in other words love if you're if you're moving in god's love this is going to cover this is going to compensate this is going to like emulation is not going to be a problem because you're not going to want to put somebody else down in order for you to feel big and bad and mr whatever you're not gonna you're not gonna want to do that. it's that that's that's not even gonna be so you're not even gonna struggle with that you're not even gonna struggle with the emulation part because it's not even gonna be a factor because that's not your mindset that's why the bible talks about that love you know charity covereth a multitude of sins and in that you know love conquers all and and that the greatest of these is, you know, charity, which is the fullest embodiment of love, where it talks about, you know, things that are mentioned there. Um, so the loving, being forgiving, being thankful, what it does is you're not going to want to do this other stuff. If you're in that mindset, like the Bible talks about in Galatians, the works of the flesh, okay, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. If you're operating in love, forgiveness charity if you're thankful remember the bible says you know it's very very important that we're thankful every day for every breath we take for everything that the lord's given us the bible talks about in romans 1 that they became that the first step to um uh, that it talks about where, where people will fall is they become unthankful and and then it, then it talks about flat out idolatry and then that progresses into men burning after men women burning after women in that particular context in romans one so 
um, just something to, these are just things to, to think about and bear in mind as, as we talk about the subject. Son, once he got in high school, he wanted to become uh, a track and field uh, person. He wanted to compete. And also he asked me, could he get on the wrestling team? Immediately, the Holy Spirit said, no. And I said, no, son, mm -mm, you can't. Why? Because, my friends, not only is it emulation and it swells the ego, it, it, this is why so many people are so messed up on drugs. A lot of athletes end up in all types of insanity. Why? Because we were not created for worship of other people like that. And we were not created to compete against our fellow man in this fashion called emulation. But my son, I ask him. I mean, just think about it, though. If you look back at the New Testament... Did they have any problem with what she's talking about? Well, not really, because they didn't really have sports that were mentioned. Like, the Greeks started that whole thing. Oh, essentially. I'm sure that they had sport in other, probably, eras or whatever. But it wasn't even a factor back then. <laughs> because it, if it was, it would have been condemned. Um, but it really wasn't even a factor. But now it is a gigantic, gigongous factor. It is a huge worldwide factor. Whereas it's easy to take it for granted because it's, it's really not mentioned specifically in the New Testament. But it falls under these other classifications of emulation and idolatry. So it is mentioned, but you have to, you have to look at the word of God to understand the context. The track and field people don't even have on no clothes. The the volleyball team alone. Have you seen their uniforms? The nakedness on the girls. It is it is shocking. We call these uniforms. I mean, that's a whole other subject. I mean, come on. I mean, the Olympics. A lot of the you can't even watch it. I mean, and I didn't, but I have before, and it's like okay figure skating they're dressed in skin tight gymnastics oh my word um boy or girl okay um volleyball uh there's very few sports where they're dressing modestly you know i mean um that's that's a whole other factor that that we should be you know modestly attired as the bible talks about and, and they i mean that's not even how often you ever hear that talked about or preached on that's a whole other deal right there no their uniforms that i've seen here in my region is nothing but a glorified thong it is sick Sick, sick. It is worldly, and many of you who are pushing your kids into competitive sports, you are being served today, friend. It's a trick, and we need to turn back. It is sin. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of family play, but once you start going all off into high school and getting into worldly institutions, colleges, many pastors are celebrating athletes, young athletes going off to college with, with their special four-year degree. Uh, uh, I, I've heard of pastors literally having people into their churches and then playing like pro football games on Sundays. That's, that happens all the time, or it has happened. For sure. I mean, that's just one example. Scholarships, no friend. We're deceived. You are worldly. And you are pushing the agenda of the enemy. Once the children pass 
grade school, uh, first, second, third grade, you got to put a stop. You can't because now you're messing with ego. You're messing with spirit. You're messing with the emotional and the spiritual well-being of your child. Oh, yes. And they become third. Now, remember, take this to the Lord in prayer, okay? Not everybody's going to agree, but this is hard preaching. I mean, it is. I mean, she's not a she's not a pastor. She's not calling herself that. But I think she brings up a lot of good points, though, as well. It's called selfish ambition. And the world celebrates athletes. Not in this kingdom, my friend. So number one is sports. And those of you who are spending hundreds and thousands of dollars for season tickets and you're running off with all your corporate buddies, you are deceived, my friend. You are deceived. You need to sell them, get rid of all of it, my friend. And some of you, 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 you spend... Okay, now that's a whole other subject. Do you know how many billions are spent every year on sports? I mean... Do you know what it takes to get one of these teams to a game? I mean, college from college on up, they're traveling. And a lot of the, in like Division One, I, I mean, they're traveling on, you know, jets or, or uh, I mean, can you logistically imagine the amount, the billions and billions and billions every year worldwide that is being spent on sports? I mean, that's a whole other subject that, that, I mean, all I would need is that one thing to know that this is not good, that this is ungodly. That's all I would need because can you imagine if that money was just, just say every, every dime of it was stopped overnight and all that money was actually put back into feeding the poor clothing the poor, um, saving the poor, evangelizing. Let's say it was, it was used for good, in other words. Do you know what kind of revival this world would have just if they took the money that was being spent on sports alone and put into the salvation of souls, the, the, the orphans, the widows, the, the poor, good, good ministries, that type of missionaries, tracts? The world would, would be revolutionized overnight. And that's just taking the money from that one. I'm not even talking about gambling. Of course, you, a lot of people gamble on sports, though. So that's a whole, that it's, it's interrelated. I'm not talking about liquor. Of course, a lot of beer and liquor, people getting drunk, watching sports. I mean, so kind of a lot of it's interrelated. But I'm just talking about the money purely spent on sports. The logistics all the money people spend to come to stadiums and, and, and do the I mean the, the ticket prices in the NFL are so outrageous in a lot of these pro sports. Hey, they gotta pay these these uh athletes their their multi-million dollar contracts every single year. I mean it is so outrageous what they make. It is so it is such an abomination what they make. I mean, you know, you could say the same thing for Hollywood. You could say the same, you know, for a lot of things that people that make money off wi by wicked means, essentially. You know, the 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 uh, music industry, the rap industry, all that. I mean, it's all money being spent on wickedness. How much good could that money do? Oh Lord, have mercy! I can't even imagine. Okay, so let's go back to the report. And literally, grocery money. 
utility bills and rent and mortgage payment to get the finals tickets for a basketball game. Shame on you, my friend. I speak to your shame today. You have been deceived. There is nothing wrong with sports. It's good to be competitive about sin. That's it. Otherwise, it should, it's just for play. The only thing we want to compete against is this rotten, stinking flesh to put it down, to crucify it, to deny it. That's who you in competition with, this old nature. Oh, yes. So number two, so we got sports. Get rid of it. Pull your children out of this. If you're trying to go to heaven, you're trying to help your children get in that narrow path, you got to pull them out of competing in these public schools. It's deception, friend. Oh, I mean, then the public school system. I mean, uh, sports is just what, sports is not the worst aspect of of the public, because you have sports in Christian schools too, okay? And, And, you know, Again, take it to the Lord in prayer, but I mean, all the stuff that's going on in the public schools with, you know, teaching them that we evolved from a rock, which turned into an ape, you know, and all the, 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 the teaching of, of, of the whole, you know, they don't teach the history of this country at all. The, these, these kids coming up now have an absolute d- despising of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. They, 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 um, they think we evolved from an ape. They, um are taught that, you know, lesbian, gay, gay, bisexual, transgenders, you know, should have more rights than the rest of us and that they should have some exclusive... I mean, all of the lies that they're taught, how they're dumbed down with a common core curriculum, how ungodly it is, how, how, how that public school system hates God. It's no wonder that the millennials coming out right now that we're seeing here protest this whole Parkland shooting and all, and all that big, gigantic march they just had in Washington, D.C. I mean, these are godless children for the most part not children teenagers i'm not saying all of them but the ones that are coming out of the public schools for the most part are that way for the most part and it's all by design because these are the these are the kids that are are going to be growing up now and taking their positions in society and guaranteed (laughs) they're going to be pushing that same agenda unfortunately number two idolatry in careers You are worldly, my friend, if you believe that education is your way to success. It's not. It's following Jesus, being willing to give up your life and your talents, everything. That is the mark of a true follower. Jesus said you must lose your life to find your life. You must fall on the rock or, my friend, the Bible says the rock will fall on you and grind you to powder. In other words, my... She's got little props. She's, she's got a little rock and stuff she's showing. Friend, eternity is coming towards your life. And if you don't turn over your life to Christ now, you will be crushed later because judgment is going to come after you are removed from that bodysuit. Your soul will live forever in heaven or hell. So when you are consumed with your 401k, many people have become a slave to 401k and financial security. You will not walk by faith. You are fearful of money, you are fearful of of not having enough, you're fearful of leaving these jobs that is causing you all type of emotional and spiritual distress, you refuse to back out, you refuse to get into a job where you can make a decent living without going into access. Some of you, you are craving people calling you doctor. You're craving uh, uh, to hold up all those plaques all over your walls. Friends, it's called the pride of life. 
Okay, so again, you know, take um, take what she's saying with a grain of salt. I'm not saying there's not times that you can't use sports to teach your children things about things like discipline or um, fortitude or, you know. So, again, I'm always trying to go for a balance with what we're looking at here, okay? And, and so I'm not saying I, I don't know about the rest of this this particular lady's ministry. I'm not saying, I'm not giving her some big blanket endorsement either because I, I don't really know a, a lot of the other stuff. She's, I've watched a few of her videos and they seem to be um, pretty rock solid in regard to what she's saying. But um, I just felt like that this particular video had a lot of things that we're, we're touching on that I've been convicted about lately um, that I think that God would want us to be as purged as possible just for the standpoint you're going to be closer to God. Um, the more right you are with God, the closer you're going to be to God. And we're going to need to be as close to God as possible because we're moving into very dark times. And all this could do is help us in that regard, uh, getting the world out of our lives. So that's why I wanted to play this. Boasting, I got a master's degree in this, that, and that, and you are just seeking these accolades and recognition. It's the pride of life. Number three is music. It's really funny because, um, like, everybody's different in certain things, and in although I've got a lot of these different types of um, degrees and stuff, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but you know, the funny thing is, is I don't have anything. I don't have any formal training in Christian stuff. I don't have any degrees. I'm not cemetery trained. I mean seminary, sorry. And um, yet God let me get to a, a, I mean, right off the bat, he let me get to a real super high level on sermon audio. But I never viewed it like, oh, wow, look at me. I'm like this or that. I don't know. I just never, or, or like my chiropractic stuff. I think I was cocky when I graduated, really, really cocky in that regard but that really faded after i got saved and then god used all these different things to humble me so i don't really view all this other stuff that i've achieved i don't i don't have a real problem with it um i would have more of a problem with stuff like the sports stuff like with me competing against someone else that's why god doesn't really i'm telling you every time i've tried to do it particularly as a christian god just doesn't permit it Okay, he shuts it down for me. He knows it's a weak point for me. I get chastened. I can't, I'm not good with that. For some people, they may not struggle in that area. And God may not um, deal with them the same way God deals with me about something like that. So, you know, I mean, it's probably why, you know, this thing happened with my eye, with glaucoma, because, I mean, I know that that can be related to weightlifting now, you know, and um, the straining. And, I mean, I was using pretty big weights, and, you know, it, I'm sure it contributed to what happened with my eye. So, my eye could be chastening because I was seeking things in the weightlifting realm even though I was competing against myself, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, actively, there's some guy I'm zeroing in on here. There are certain things that I've tried to achieve, though, that, um, 
you know, even though competing against myself, God was like, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you go so far, but I'm not going to let you go any further. You know, um, so I threw my back out not too, too long ago. And, um, it was doing a, a particular kind of deadlift that, that I was doing and, and um, um, I don't know how to say this. I, I set the world record on it. I set the world record in a particular type of deadlift. And it's like an old time strong in deadlift. It's not like everybody's doing it. Okay. Um, but he let me do it. it he, he let me set. Yeah. He let me set the world record for my weight class in it. And I did it. And it wasn't that, that hard. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it did happen. But once I broke it, when I tried to go back and, and go further, I threw my back out at a lower weight so bad I was crawling around the house. I couldn't, I mean, God was like, no, no, no more. No, no more. And I mean, I got humbled big time. I mean, between my eye, I mean, my back was a good six weeks. It's fully healed now, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But my eye, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a humbling thing, man. I mean, you wake up one day and you're, you're almost blind in one eye. And it is baby steps getting, baby steps slowly better. Um, it's still very significant. And I thank you for your prayers. And I thank you for everyone that's prayed for us and, and for the, um, the support of our ministry, whether it's prayers, donations. I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you all. Um, but this has been a very humbling year for, for me God's been, I believe, chastening me. So I'm not saying that I'm above all the stuff we're talking about today here because I am currently under God's chastisement, I feel like. <laughs> you know, so... Um, uh, uh, I, I just, I felt more convicted about these types of things. I feel like 2018, at least for me, is a year that God's dealing with me. And the Bible talks about that, that if he... Um, like that we're like plants like when he compares us with like a plant or something and that he will prune the plant and he will he will um why do you prune a plant well to make it grow better and you're and when he prunes us he's he's getting rid of stuff that that don't that doesn't need to be there that needs to go because it's hindering our so that's what he's doing with me this year does that mean i think i'm walking in sinless perfection no far from it uh but I just kind of wanted to kind of throw that in there so you kind of know where I'm coming from. Any worldly music you're listening to, my friend, it is of the devil. Once you contract your gift to sing, you are a slave to the enemy, my friend. Now, this, you can get into the whole thing with Hollywood, how virtually all the people that are signing major contracts with, I mean, they're literally having to do some kind of deal with, with Lucifer in order to get the high levels in, in um, the uh, music industry, in Hollywood. Rap, uh, country, um, pop, you basically, you name it, they're having to sign some type of, or sell their soul to the devil, some type of contract with the devil in order to get to that point. Now, I've done a lot of teachings on that. So, anyway. And let us be very clear, most contemporary so-called christian music is it is filled with spirits yes it is because i've done whole teachings on a lot of these contemporary christian music people um their links with the occult 
their links with, you know, there's a, so many red flags on, on that. Now, I'm not saying all of it. Uh, and that's why you have to kind of do your homework. The minstrels and the singers are filled with spirits because they are worldly. Anytime a gospel artist claims they're singing for Jesus, signs a contract and copyrights that music, you are worldly, you are defiled, you are corrupt. And my friends, this is why we must be very careful. And again, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm fully in agreement with her on every single thing she's saying. Okay. I mean... You'd have to do dedicated studies on a lot of these different things she's bringing up. I'm just talking about the premise of what we're talking about here today. Uh, erring on the side of safety with God. Um, that type of thing. Who and what we're listening to. Even if it's contemporary Christian gospel. Mm -mm. You must have discernment. But I can assure you, my friend, if you are listening to rap music, old school music, uh, uh, rock and roll... Anything that country that extols the flesh, sex, I just love you. I just love you. Anything that you're talking about another human being, friend, you're worldly. You've been deceived. So any worldly music, rap music is not of God at all. There's no such thing as Christian holy hip-hop. already did a video. If you haven't seen it, look through my channel so you can be enlightened, friend, that you're being deceived. Number four is entertainment. Friends, when you are basking in all of this unholy, ungodly horror muse, uh, movies, you like watching people being killed. You like watching 48 hours. I ain't going to say the name of that. But you like watching these shows about death. This is what you eat all day, every day. You like watching watching all of these reality television shows. You like watching uh, corruption and, and scandal and all these scandalous, uh, uh, literally, shows. Friend, you are carnal. You are worldly. You're not going to make it in because these are the things that God hates. So why would I keep eating violence? Why do I want to see horror? Why? Because you are worldly, friend. You are sensual and you are feeding your flesh. You are feeding it. And this is why many of us can't find victory to walk long with God, because we keep eating worldly entertainment. A lot of these so-called Christian plays, it is not of God. What is sacred is sacred, and we do not bring God down into hypocrisy. Any, quote, Christian plays or any of that that you're seeing, friend, it is all of the devil. Well, now, I don't know about that. I mean, I can't believe there couldn't be a Christian play that couldn't be God the Lord Jesus Christ centered. I don't understand why she'd say that about all Christianity. The problem is, is she's making some blanket statements here and giving no leeway, wiggle room whatsoever, black and white, it's my way or no. Okay, well, now hold on. What about this example? What about this? See, that's why if I played this teaching, I wanted to be able to interject saying, okay, now, okay, now, whoa, on all of this, can we really be that dogmatic, you know? There is no such thing, I'm going to do a play. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, I already did video on that industry. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Number, number five, and not least, self-worship through fashions, trends, and fads. 
when you are glorifying your flesh constantly with uh, ungodly attire, I've been talking about this so much on my channel, the, the yoga pants, all of the strapless, the booty skirts, the tight jeans, the skinny jeans, all of that is ungodly attire, and you are going to perish, my friend, because as I am trying to tell us and enlighten us, your heart is dark. Oh, yes, it's filled with the love of this world. That's why you have to be fashionable. That's why you have to keep up with the trends because you are worldly. And therefore, you spend all your money on you. All we got to do is go up in your closet. I can tell who you are. I can tell who's your master by your closet, ladies. All those shoes, all that jewelry. Don't get me wrong. It, anything in moderation, it's not sinful. But when you are constantly heaping all this ungodly attire in particular, some of you, you are stiff-necked about your attire. I know it's warm, it's hot, it's summertime, but I have shared this with you on the channel. Linen is a biblical fabric. It keeps you cool in the summer. You don't have to strip your clothes off, friend, to stay cool. You need to stay in something that's cool. That's, that's why they wore it. They didn't have air conditioners in Bible times. And many of you, you've heard this, and I will remind you, it's going to be hotter in hell, friend, if you do not repent from your worldly ways. This message is not to condemn anyone. It's to enlighten you that if you are basking in these things, my friend, you're not going to make it. God does not want us to be friends of this world. And remember, as you watch all that ungodly uh, 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 reality shows, you're hooked on this stuff. It is, oh, my friend, the enemy has masses, multitudes of you in the trap. He got you. He got you through. She's got like a mouse trap or a rat trap. Entertainment. He got you. And this is why you can't study the scriptures. This is why you can't uh, stop masturbating and fornicating. You can't stay with God long enough because you still feed that flesh worldly pleasure and treasures. God have mercy on us all. He that has an ear, let him or her hear that the most beautiful word, word ever spoken to any of us is repent. Change your mind and put that stuff away, my friend. And last but not least, the last bonus as I close this exhortation. If you are feeding your flesh, smoking weed, drinking, smoking, you are worldly. You are sensual. You are feeding that flesh. And God says, this is my temple. When you are, when you are feeding and indulging in pornography, you are worldly. And you will perish, friends. The way that Jesus said is straight and it's narrow. And he said, few shall find it. And therefore, we strive daily. We work out our salvation daily. And we do not feed this flesh. We do not. And some of you, the reason why you keep gambling with your soul, because you don't fear the Lord. That's why you keep going back. That's why you can't put down your habits. Because truly, you do not fear God, my friend. Why? Because most of us have only been taught by false teachers to name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. It's all about you. False gospel. Last but not least, as I close this exhortation, 
The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 6, the fear of the Lord causes men to depart from evil. And by God's mercy and, and the truth, truth, iniquity is purged from us. The Bible also says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So cleansing us is, is dependent upon taking heed of his word. So it, it kind of goes along with this. So my friends, if you want to get into the straight and narrow path and have joy and peace and love this walk with God. And, and again, I think it's very important here to also separate the whole thing. I think it's very important to understand that if you're just going to listen to this, it'd be very easy to fall into the whole thing. Oh my word, I got to earn my way to heaven. I've got to earn my way to heaven. I, 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 I got to do this and I got to do this. No, 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 no. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You say by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we cannot get our eyes off that either. And that's something she really doesn't emphasize at all in this video. Because I thought she brought up a lot of really good points. But also we don't want to, I mean, you don't also want to think that, you know, I'm earning my way to heaven every day. If you're a true born-again Christian, you're going to be chastened of God regarding these matters. Um, I think it's important to know the matters, though, because my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. There, there are certain things that are, are so commonplace today that are Satan's devices that we think nothing about, maybe as a Christian, but actually in God's eyes are sin. And that's why I like this video regarding a lot of the things that she brought up about that. Um, Love Jesus and extol God, our Father, our Heavenly Father. You got to have respect for what Jesus did. And then, my friend, you will no longer keep being tossed to and fro by your flesh. The flesh is a bully. It will always bully you because this is a body of death. The flesh man, the carnal mind. That's why Paul said, be not conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's where victory is, my friend, the renewal of the mind. I love you. He that has an ear, let them hear. We shall not continue in the wide road of destruction. It's time to repent and come into a real bona fide relationship with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. God bless you, my friend. I love you. Go get quiet with God and know that we only get one shot. Once this body suit is removed from our soul, we only get one shot. God bless you, my friend. So we have that. And... um it just kind of goes along with a lot of the stuff we're talking about today. Now, I'm going to end this by just going over those verses in Galatians. And we've already saw what the definition was for idolatry and emulation. And I post those definitions here. And I'm talking the definitions from like the 1828 Noah Webster. Um, 
Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Now, remember what she said, that our flesh will bully us. Our flesh is our own worst enemy in certain regards. I mean, I'm not saying that Satan isn't our worst enemy, but I mean, our flesh is, you know, Satan uses our flesh against us. Um, so the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and that's a capital S, the Holy Spirit, and the spirit, capital S, against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. And that's why the Bible, that's why Paul says, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am who should deliver me from the body of this death. The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things that I should do, that I don't do. You know? So, that's not an excuse to sin we're not given uh, to use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but even Paul, probably the greatest apostle of them all, or right up there, had, you know, huge struggles in that particular area, and he was willing to admit that. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, and we've essentially, we're denying the faith, essentially. If we, if we talk, if we walk around and say that we're in sinless perfection, and there's people out there that say that they don't sin. <laughs> I heard about this one guy that was saying it, and he says, I haven't sinned in 20 years, and every day he would go home and beat his wife. Evidently, that was his job, because she was out of line, and he was living in sinless perfection, so, so he needed to beat his wife every night to kind of slap her into line. I mean, this is how deluded some people get. And I think this is another reason why it's important to pray honestly for humility because humility will keep you out of that mind of pride. Humility will give you the ability to actually look at yourself and realize, oh, what a wretch of a man or a woman that I am. Humility will give you that ability and humility is the opposite of pride. And with an attitude of humility, I believe we're able to reach God much better. Um pride is going to block you from reaching God, period. He's not going to suffer that, deal with that. So, um, and so, these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. Next verse. But if you be led of the Spirit, capital S, you're not under the law. Which kind of relates back to those verses I said before where it says the... You know, the law and the prophets are all summed up in this. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord God with all your all your mind. You know, uh, do unto others as you'd have done unto yourself, these types of things. Um, that's a sign that you're being led of the Spirit. The capital, capital S, the Holy Spirit, okay? That's evidence of that. It's not that you're earning your way to heaven, but it's evidence of, of your faith. It's evidence, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence. Being chastened by God is evidence that you're saved. Through the Spirit. And then, there, and then there's the Bible verse that Jesus talks about where, um, you know, um, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was in, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I needed water, you gave me water. And then they, they, they said to him at the end, they're like, when did we do all these things, Lord? When did we do? He says, when you've done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. That's a sign you're saved. So there's a lot of, we could just dwell on what are all the signs that, that you know, you're not a real Christian or, or that you're out of God's will or that type of stuff. We could just dwell on that, which would be pure negativity. But let's also dwell and look at things that are evidenced 
you know, um, to see that there's, there's a Bible verse about that as well. Um, to see that, to see if we are in the faith, that type of thing. And again, I don't mean to, to imply that we're earning our way to heaven. I'm talking about evidence. The Holy Spirit lives inside you and that type of thing. And, you know, you could have somebody that, um, I mean, there's going to be, the Bible talks about people that are going to be saved, yet so is by fire. Uh, those are people that when you bring your works before God at the judgment seat of Christ, which is where Christians go, they're going to be either judged as precious stones, gold, silver, or wood, hay, or stubble. The precious stones, the gold, and the silver will be refined. The fire will make them even more pure, and they will be part of your rewards in heaven. You'll be given crowns these types of things as well and it depends on you know what you've accomplished in your life as a christian and then there's others where they're going to bring their works before god they're saved but they're going to be burned up as wood hay or stubble they're going to because wood hay or stubble would burn before fire right yeah so they're saved but the bible says yet so as by fire those are people that did things to be seen of men uh I don't know, there's probably a myriad of different things because God knows our heart. We There's nothing that we can do that's going to escape that. Those are people that, that just, you know, did things to, um, with not a pure heart toward God. They, they had ulterior motives. So yet they thought they were doing these works for God. In God's eyes, it was wood, hay, or stubble. So that's, a, that's another category of potentially Christians that, that the Bible talks about. So, Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, um, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lasciviousness, um, lewd, rude, worldly behavior, essentially. Uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's basically what we're talking about here. Idolatry, we talked about idolatry. Witchcraft, we, we know what that is. Hatred, we know what that is. Variance, variance would be like um, wanting to have strife with another person, actively pursuing strife. Now, you know, it's one thing if you're going to be striving about biblical issues where, you know, you're standing on biblical issues and some other person's trying to interject heresy. That's a whole other different deal. The Bible says after the first and second man, uh, an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So if there's somebody trying to bring in heresy into your life or into your ministry or whatever, no, you 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 do deal with them. I mean, depending on the circumstance, you're also there's also Bible verses about where it says cast not your pearls before swine. So you, these are things you need to pray about as they come along. I mean, I deal with a lot with my ministry. Okay. Typically, I will actually deal with somebody right off the bat if they're trying to bring some heresy to me. And then, but I'm not going to sit there and burn the rest of the year wasting my time on one person that's, that's literally being led of devils that's trying to just have me burn up all my time. I have to guard against that all the time. Not so much now, more so more earlier in my ministry. Um, 
so there's that to think about okay and then emulations we we, we went over what emulations are in a, in a bad sense striving to equal or do more than others to obtain carnal favors or honors or to make another person feel worse about themselves because you've bested them okay but emulation can be a positive thing too if you're trying to emulate a positive thing in another person or or emulate jesus christ or that type of stuff um wrath we know what wrath is strife you know contention strife seditions and like seditions meaning seditions would, would more apply like if you were in a church and you were trying to like you had some pet heretical doctrine and you used it you got other people's to join you and you use that to split the church that's what i think that's when i think of a i looked that definition up biblically and that's kind of what it the context it was in and that happens a lot with with churches splitting uh it's very very common i've been in um well i'm, I'm sure i've experienced at least two or three church splits i believe in one way shape or form sometimes they're they're major church splits sometimes it's just a family or two leaving um sometimes they're in the right sometimes they're in the wrong <laughs> so it would depend on what the issue is seditions would be like division created through unbiblical means okay uh heresies obviously bad doctrine you know the bible talks about if 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 though i or an angel preach any other gospel than this meaning the gospel of the lord jesus christ let him be accursed okay alexander the coppersmith did me much evil the lord rewarding to the lord reward him according to his works that's what the bible taught i mean they name names in the bible the cretians which was a race of people are always liars slow bellies meaning they're like lazy liars and then the bible goes on to say wherefore rebuke such an one sharply that they may be found sound in the faith then the bible talks about first corinthians chapter five where there was a sin in the church and the bible says one that's that's rarely even named on the earth where a man had taken his father's wife to his to be his bride and i think it was his the dad got remarried the son came along and she left the dad for the son although it wasn't his real mom and the bible says in that case turn such an one over to satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved in the day of the lord now so the bible basically implies there that i think in this particular case and it would be hard to understand how this could be but that a, a saved christian or maybe he wasn't saved because it doesn't sound like some a saved person would do maybe through him being turned over to satan in that process of chastisement that that person would finally come to his senses and get saved even though his flesh is going to be destroyed it reminds me of how my parents got saved because everything had to be stripped from them including their lives their property everything their their finances everything had to be stripped from them in order to get them to the point where they would finally come to the lord jesus christ they had to lose everything in order for that to happen some people that's the case they're just it's just the way it works out um but better they get saved that way than burn in hell for eternity you know so then going further galatians 5 21 says and more more of these envying so we're not to 
you know, be going around envying other people. That would that would go into the emulations. A lot of these ver a lot of these words that they're using, there's a lot of overlap on some of them. Envyings and emulations would be related. Uh, murderers, drunkenness, revilings, um, re revilings, or revelings, I should say, like you're reveling, you know. Um, reveling to feast with loose and clamorous merriment to carouse a nocturnal and riotous procession of half this is the actual definition from no webster a nocturnal and riotous procession of half drunken and frolicsome fellows who after supper parade through the streets with torches and music in honor of bacchus which is the god of wine and debauchery okay um, or some other deity and sing and play before houses of male and female friends hence use generally a feast and drinking parties that are protracted till late in the night and indulge in revelry and it's just carnality like heaped on itself you know doing whatever you want to do to feed the flesh type of thing so so envies murder murderers drunkenness revilings and such like of which i tell you before as i've also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god so that's a very strong serious sobering warning and that's why i played that audio and that's why i went into these verses because i you know uh, but again i'm trying to also temper it with the other with the other verses too where i'm not just trying to smash you all over the head with these types of bible verses and in you know i also want to give you the remedy i want i want to give you the the positive verses that that would um reconcile these other verses in in um that regard so then it goes on in the next verse and it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law so these are signs of the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, that lives inside a born-again believer. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So that's kind of another warning, like, okay, if you're Christ, then you need to be constantly trying to crucify the flesh. And that was one of the things that she brought up. And listen, I say this as much to myself as I would anyone else. I'm not on some kind of high horse here. Um... If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us, and then this really confirms the verses above where it talks about envies and emulations. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So that that's more confirmation. And then Colossians, um, verses 21 through 23 i don't know what chapter i must have taken that away and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet he now hath reconciled in the body of the flesh through death um to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled so we need to continue in the faith grounded and settled what we're going to be seeing and what i think we are seeing is a lot of people falling away from the faith which the Bible then talks about the parable of the sower, where, you know, some seed fell on stony ground, some seed fell on thorny ground, you know, that, that, and then some fell on good ground, and that bore fruit, some 30, some 60, some, some 100 fold. So, as a born-again Christian, we're going to be the, the seed that fell on fertile ground, and 
we're going to bear 30, 60, or some 100 fold. It depends on the Christian. It also, the, the amount of fruit you bear depends upon the amount of talents you've been given. And the Bible then talks about the parable of the talents, where one was given like one talent, one was given five and ten or whatever it was. And that, you know, the one buried his talent, and then Jesus said, okay, thou wicked and slothful servant, you know, cast him into the prison and take his talent and give it to the one that, you know, the other two doubled their talents. Okay, and he says, well done, thou good and faithful. So whatever God has given you, he expects you as a plant that bears fruit to use your talents for God. But if a person's been given one talent, he's not going to bear as much fruit as somebody that's been given ten. Or he's not going to be expected to bear as much fruit as somebody that's been given ten because the person only was given one talent. And the Bible also says, to every man has been appointed a measure of faith. So not everybody has the same amount of faith. Now, the Bible says if you lack faith, you can ask God who will give it to you. So that's something you can go to God and ask for more of. Now, also, you can increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's ways you can increase it. You can ask God for more faith. But everybody, so everybody's like on different, a different playing ground. God. And then you get into the whole thing about the body of Christ. Can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need? So then there's different functions. There's different body parts of the body of Christ. And they're going to bear different kinds of fruits. And they're going to be given different talents and different measures of faith. So we, that's why I think the Bible talks about you know, not judging one another. Because we don't know where that other person is in regard to God on their, on their walk with God and how far. And if you're judging them by your standard and you've been given a lot of faith and maybe you've been given a lot of talents and, and all this other stuff, be real easy for you to start looking down on another person that hasn't been given those attributes that maybe you have and start judging them and then start walking in pride, which you don't want to do that. So you, you understand that there's a lot to this. There's a lot to this. This is just stuff I'm coming up with off the top of my head I'm bringing up here. I mean, I believe the Holy Spirit's convicting me of it as I, I, I want to give the Holy Spirit the credit for that. But there's a lot to it. But if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. So again, that's just part of enduring to the end. That's part of overcoming. That's part of the evidence the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood. See, we're justified by his blood. We're not justified by all these works. But I mean... Yes. Is it good to bear fruit as a Christian? Yes. Is it evidence that you're, you're, you're a Christian? Yes, but it's not what saves you. It's not what saves you. And that's something we don't ever want to get our eyes off. Because it'd be real easy if you just listen to that video that I played to start thinking, well, my, my salvation is totally dependent upon my works. That is why I was not going to just put that video out there without tempering it with these other verses because i think she's kind of lacking in that area you need to when you're dealing with subjects when it comes to heaven and hell very very the most serious subjects on the planet which is what she was talking about when you really essentially break it down you need to be very biblically balanced i believe you know i think it's very important we are justified by his blood the blood of the lord jesus christ we shall be saved from wrath through him. Not through our own works, 
even though we will bear fruit as a Christian, but we're going to be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. Now, these, and I'm ending on these because these are, are positive. I want to I end on a high note. I want to uplift you. I don't want to beat you down and, you know, whatever. It's not my goal. It's not my goal. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. I take this very seriously when I do these kind of studies because I do not want to lead you and guide you in the wrong direction. I don't want somebody to end up in hell because of something that I was teaching, some heretical thing I was teaching. I want to give you, try to give you the full picture on this. And I'm not saying I'm going into obviously every aspect of it. That's why I say if you have any issues beyond what we're talking about today, Keep, click on the true salvation tab at contendingfortruth.com because that really take time with every subject there to go into it in depth um and then the bible says in titus 3 3 5 not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us see all these people that think they're earning their way into heaven all these hebrew roots people all these catholics all these other people and all these other different denominations which are unbiblical. There's no, there's no denominations in the Bible. It's one body, one Christ, one word. That's how it should be, but it's not. It's not even anywhere near that. I don't call myself anything. Like, I don't call myself a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever. I don't do that. I am just call myself a born-again Bible-believing Christian. You know, I mean, they were first... Um, you, that, that, that's, what, that's, that's what I call myself. So not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for his mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So hopefully ended on a high note there. Um, God bless you. And then we're now we're going to actually start the, the, the main current event Bible study. So I'm going to do that, though, in part two. I'm way over time on this one. So God bless you, and see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 1,000-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G. F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson. 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.